Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we hear details of other people's personal and professional sexy lives in order to learn about ourselves and each other so we can all lead fucking awesome lives. And our guest today is here to share her sexpertise both personally and professionally. She's a mid-30s cishet woman, a monogamous divorcee now engaged to her new boo. She started a woman-focused porn company whose mission is to help people have great sex based on her experience coming to her own sexuality as an adult. She is into sensual dance and movement, overcoming cunnilingus anxiety, and is practicing using her sex couch with increasing regularity. Welcome, Lily Sparks. Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here. I am so happy to have you here. Could you pretty please start off by telling our sweet listeners if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shameometer from one being totally shameless to ten being so full of shame, where do you fall right now and what has it looked like over the years? I would say I'm a three right now, which maybe I'm like a two or a one, but I just hang out with such amazing sex positive people all the time that you start to like have your radar get a little fuzzy. You know, I grew up in a conservative family where we did not talk about sex and it always seemed like this awesome thing. Like everybody was talking about it. Like it was this awesome, amazing thing, but I would say at that point in my life, kind of early twenties, I was probably more of like a six, seven. Cause part of my origin story is that I was in a relationship with my high school sweetheart. So mm. We met when we were 15. He was my first and only partner. And we had no idea what we were doing, like most teenagers. And I just felt really alone and really lost in like, how do I figure that out? Because mm -hmm. I love to learn. And when it came to any other subject, you know, there's books, there's TV shows, there's all these things. But when it came to sex, I was just like, where do I go? What do I do? 
I wasn't orgasming. I didn't end up orgasming until I was 24. I was ashamed that something was wrong with me. I was ashamed that I wasn't feeling the way I thought other people were. And it's really been a journey. I ended up getting divorced from my high school sweetheart. We were together from when I was 15 to 30. And that kind of started me on this kind of second wave of sexual exploration and getting rid of shame and figuring out what I liked and what I felt good about. That plus starting Afterglow, which I'll talk about, is really what kind of helped me get from that like six or seven level shame down to a three. That's awesome. Was any of the early shame because of the conservativeness or was it more just like, fuck, I should be experiencing these things because it doesn't, I didn't hear that in part of your story. Yeah, I think it was my family. It was our culture. It's that, you know, the most of the sex messages we have are like sex ed, which is like, don't get pregnant, don't get an STD and never like, this is how it should feel. This is how to explore your body. This is pleasure. This is all the wonderful things that sex can bring you. What would you say right now is your favorite thing about sex? My favorite thing about sex is that you get to connect with the person that you're having sex with, like that intimate connection that you don't get from anything else in the same way you get from sex. Like that's Mm. amazing. Like the aftercare the cuddling, everything. Like that's why I named my company Afterglow basically is like that intimate moment is what I love. I fucking love that. What counts as sex for you? I think anything more than kissing counts as sex. That's a good question. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not just, you know, penis and vagina. I think we got to expand our definition. If I was in charge, I would say anything involving genitals. Mm. that's what I'm going to go with. (laughs) I would just start taking the clothes off, getting down there, like seeing the parts we usually keep hidden, like that sex in a non-clinical sense. (laughs) So what is sexy to you? Like what is Lily Sparks' personal definition of sexy? My personal definition of sexy is somebody who has the confidence about what they want. Somebody who's smart. Smart is super, super sexy for me and kind. Mm. Okay. So you mentioned a little bit about like you didn't really get a sex education or you got kind of just the medical basics, but tell us more details. What do you remember actually learning in school? What do you remember learning from the adults in your life? And did you ever get an explicit lesson on consent? I remember getting this very awkward sex talk from my mom right when I started dating my high school boyfriend. Basically what she said was, guys don't like to wear condoms, but you need to make them wear condoms. And I was a total typical teenager. I was like, thanks, mom, whatever. I'm already doing what I'm doing. I already know that. And like, please let me leave. When I think about where I actually got my education, you know, I grew up in the DVD era of porn. And I remember after prom, you know, we had like a group of eight people and we were all sitting around and like somebody had this, like, I think it was called young girls in prison. Like that was the title, like typical, like funky porn movie. And, you know, that was the first time I'd seen people have sex and it really helped me see what different things people were doing because there's nowhere else where you can see it. So that was really fundamental in my experience. And for me, I would say in a mostly positive way, it didn't get me all the way there. You know, the porn that I was seeing did not focus on female pleasure. And so 
it taught me something, but I still wanted to know more. And I didn't have a resource for that. Mm. Wow. So you were watching it before you had it yourself with that boyfriend or were you guys already fooling around at that point? We were already fooling around at that point. Okay. You know, I had to go on this kind of long journey to figure out how to orgasm. And I would say porn helped me, but it didn't get me all the way there. Okay. How would you say, if you had to put words to it, does sex meet your needs for social interaction, intimacy, or connection? Like you actually answered this earlier in terms of like what's sexy to you or what you love about sex the most, but like, can you put into words how those needs are met for you? I think there's something beautiful about sex that the oxytocin, the hormones, whatever is going on allows me to open up and communicate. I think the pillow talk, you know, I'm going back to the the whole afterglow experience, yeah. but it's like you share your body with someone, you get naked, you reveal all the vulnerabilities and sex is kind of this act of acceptance of those vulnerabilities and like, oh, I find this hot. I want this. I want more. I want you. And then when it's all over, you're kind of just able to bask in it. That's amazing. When did you know that you were straight? And when did you know that you were monogamous? Like for sure. I would say I still don't know. Oh, okay. Ooh, <laughs> say you more. Know, it's easy to be straight. You know, I love men. I love penises. I love giving blowjobs. I love all of that. Women are hot. Like that's kind of a given. Like if someone's like women aren't hot, I'm like, well, are you not, do you not have eyes? Like what's going <laughs> on? But maybe I just haven't met the right woman that I'm like super attracted to and want to have sex with. But, you know, I think I'm a believer in like that everybody's a little bit bi or okay. queer or curious. There was a time in my life actually when I was thinking like, oh, maybe I don't want to be monogamous. You know, maybe I want to try, you know, having multiple relationships, but my partner was very pro-monogamy. That's what he wanted. And, you know, I think there's a lot of value to it in terms of like really, especially when you first are getting to know someone and dating them of like really being committed to that partner and really being committed to that person. And he's so amazing that I didn't feel like I was giving anything up in order to be monogamous with him. I love that distinction. Which I think is really important. Yeah. 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 If you're not missing anything, you don't need to seek anything else. It's perfect. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Great. And now I'm like, I'm way too busy. I'm like, one, one person is enough. Like, I'm way too busy for anybody else. Yeah. Okay. So tell us now, what would you say are your best qualities as a lover? I think I am giving. I think that's probably one of my best qualities. I like to be in control. I like to kind of create that experience. I'm definitely better at being in control than I am at like letting go and letting things flow. But I love that flow of sex that is different every time. And you want to make it new, exciting, put a spin on it, you know, do something fun. Even if you're the one guiding it, it's still obviously a co-creation experience. Yeah. Oof, I love that. Can you give us like a little snapshot of what your sex life is like right now and your just like favorite highlight parts of it? It's really amazing, even though, you know, at this point, me and my current partner, you know, we've been together for a couple of years. I would say we both like morning sex. So it's like wake up in the morning, Sunday morning, I like roll over and, you know, start the gentle touching to like wake things up start playing a little bit, 
get some toys involved because I'm really pro involving toys. I think they're fun. Yeah. Things are really nice. We finally get to use that sex couch that I mentioned in the beginning, which we bought, but don't use that much, but it's super awesome. <laughs> Keep going until we're done, until we're tired. And then we just get to lay there and make some breakfast, have some coffee. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Do tell us about this couch. What is it? Paint this picture for us. It's narrow enough so that just one person lays on it and it's got kind of like a bigger curve and then a smaller curve. It's by the Liberator and my partner got it for me when kind of we first started dating and we were having sex like a bunch and we were like, let's try all the things. I've always wanted to try this. And it's really great for creating like just these little different shifts and angles Yeah, that if you think about it, like a bed is actually not that great of a tool for oh, sex. Oh, yeah, it's not. Especially these mattresses that don't have springs. Sometimes it's really hard to fuck on them. Exactly, exactly. And I think it upgrades oral sex even more than it upgrades kind of like traditional sex. Mm. You know, like I'm able to like deep throat a little better. You know, like maybe your legs will be on the ground so you can like have more pressure to move up and down in the right ways compared to like one person kind of on their knees in a bed. It's a lot of fun. I still have a lot to do with it. Still have more to explore. I can totally relate. So I am just going to admit to everyone, I don't know if I've talked about this before. I found one of those on the street last year and it looked clean. So I picked it up <laughs> and it's in my house <laughs> by my window. And it's great for sexy photo shoots. It's so easy to perch on. I don't know what brand mine it. Like it definitely is. I don't, I don't know that it's a liberator, but it looked clean. And then I washed it very sanitarily. I love all of the different configurations, but I keep meaning to go like Google a manual or a book just so I can, you know, I'm very creative, so I can make up lots of ideas in my head. But it's also interesting because when I've had partners come over, I'm like, and we can use the and they never want to. And so I'm like, what is that? I see this a lot in myself and in a lot of people where it's like even us that are in the like sex positive industry and like do this all the time, but like we still have weird hangups where we like want to do things, but don't do things. And I don't know where those come from. And I want to figure it out one day. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like sometimes I get self-conscious, like even now, cause I'm in the process of like crossing off bucket list items. And so like, I'll have partners that literally are like, we're going to do this bucket list thing together. But sometimes there's like the translation between the plan and the actually doing it. I'm like, no, we're doing the thing. Oh, you just want to come over and okay. I guess going with the flow is good too. But you know, like it's, I totally, I totally relate to all of that. Would you tell us what are health and safety conversations like for you? Okay. You're monogamous, but like you had to have them at least once. Like talk a little bit about that for us. So when my current partner and I first started dating, we lived in different cities and he was going to come visit me in my city. And it's actually funny sharing these anecdotes. And I keep thinking back to like, am I a three or am I more shameful than I think I am? Because all of these things, I'm like, wait, I'm a little nervous and sharing this. I'm awkward. Like, it's really fun having this conversation, kind of evaluating like the different shame reactions to the question. I love that you're sharing that with us in real time too, (laughs) because I love in myself even noticing the weird places that I get surprised by shame. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I remember thinking like, okay, like, you know, I have this porn company. I'm like sex positive. He probably thinks all these things about me. And instead, like, I need to call him and just be like, Hey, like, when did you last get tested? You know, can you get tested before you come here? I'll get tested too. We should share these because obviously you're 
flying to visit me, like we're going to have sex. Like that's just going to happen. And I just need to be open and honest about that. So that was what the safety conversation looked like. And then using protection as well at the beginning. But it's one of those things where it's awkward to have the conversation, but it's like better to know how that person is going to react to those things like before you have sex with them. Totally. It's like if they're going to react poorly, wouldn't you rather know that sooner? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so funny because I've been in situations lately where I'll have the conversation. They'll be like, and I'm still a big fan of barriers. And then I'll get there and I'll be like wanting to use, you know, laurels, the natural rubber latex Mm -hmm. panties for them going down on me. And they're like, and I was like, what does the word barriers mean to you? (laughs) You know, like, so it's, (laughs) it's just important to kind of like get on the same page ahead of time with that. And then so you guys then had a conversation about becoming fluid bonded or monogamous. And that's when you kind of, is that a different shift for you? Is that when you stop using protection? Yeah, exactly. That was like the different shift. It's like, okay, like we're monogamous, like let's do this. Hot. Okay. Now take us through your personal sexy timeline and like highlight the most important formative experiences. We heard about your boyfriend who became your husband for 15 years. Was there anything important before that? And then if you want to also like weave in when Afterglow started, like tell us your sexy life story. One thing that's unique is that my 20s because I was in this relationship and I actually started my career as an accountant. So my twenties were very stable, but I didn't feel like I was really following my path. And I think that was part related to my sexual journey, but also like kind of related to other things. Like I was more doing what I was told by society, by my parents, kind of like, you should be successful. You should go to school. You should get married, like kind of doing things a little less thoughtfully. And I think that was reflected in not having as much of a fulfilling sex life, not being focused on like my own pleasure and like how things felt in my body and all of that. And the big aha moment for me was literally getting a vibrator. Like it was as simple as like go to the store, like have that awkward experience where you like walk into the store and you're like, oh no, which one do I choose? It's so scary. And having the, you know, super nice sex positive worker come and say, Hey, like, you know, what are you looking for? What should you try? And I got like a super basic Lilo vibrator and I still use the same one to this day. It's still my go-to vibrator. You know, it was my first orgasm. I fell in love with it and I'm never going to leave it. And like I got in the bath and I used it and I was like, oh, this is what everybody else is experiencing. And that helped me. And that even helped my sex life with, you know, my boyfriend slash husband at the time, because I realized that the clit mattered in sex and that I needed that kind of stimulation as, you know, many, many women do. And I'm one of them. That really improved our sex life a ton because like I was actually enjoying it. I was actually like having a good time. And then after we split up, it's really funny being single for kind of the first time in your life when you're 30 years old, Mm. because there was a lot of silly mistakes that I had to make in kind of like dating and sex that I hadn't made before, but there were some that I didn't have to make. It was very strange. I was mature enough to know a few things, but other things I totally didn't know. I didn't go wild. I didn't go like sleep with a bunch of people, but I was really 
wanting to explore that side of myself since I'd only been with one person, you know, until I was 30 years old. So I was like, okay, like I'm here, I'm out. I want to have sex, but not with any of these people here. (laughs) Yeah, I can relate to that. So it was like a period of trying to figure out like what I wanted, I would say. And that's hard. And it was really fun getting to finally try, you know, like you never know if you're going to like something till you try it. So, you know, I had a lot of awkward sexual experiences, which like weren't that great. And I was just kind of like, okay, that's not for me. (laughs) I'd say that the theme is just like very outside the norm size penises, like either very small or very large. Like I just want a nice average size one. Like that's great for me. (laughs) And just people that like, I wanted to feel that connection with, but then when you got down to it, you're like, "Mm, I'm actually not that into that. And it's hard to judge that. It's hard to like, listen to your body and kind of like read those signals sometimes I would say. Yeah. When you say like into that, do you mean like just like the vibe between you and the person? Or are you talking about like specific kinks? I'd say more just the vibe. I'm like a pretty vanilla person. So more just the vibe between me and that person was just like, it was going well, but then it got a little off. And then you're like, okay, do I like abort the mission? (laughs) (laughs) Which is another really hard conversation to have. Absolutely. Can you articulate those feelings of awkwardness? Because this is like why I'm even here. Because I think about all those times in my 20s where I just had these moments of like, the fuck is happening? And looking back, I'm like, oh, I needed that person to hold an energetic container and they weren't capable. Or like, oh, that person was wrapped up in their own shame, you know? And so like hindsight's 2020. Do you have any like perspective from where you are now on those experiences in that way? You know, the nice thing is that I always you know, like I always felt like I chose that experience, even if it didn't go well, you know, I took that risk. I took that gamble. I think it was either a shame. Like sometimes it was like a shame in me thing. Sometimes it was a shame in them thing. Sometimes it was just like, we have different styles of sex that we're naturally drawn to. And it's just not a fit. Like I think sex is this weird thing where we don't talk about it. And with my current partner, when we were dating, I kind of asked him like before he kind of came to visit me, I'm like, Hey, like what kind of sex do you like? (laughs) Like trying to have that conversation in advance. Whereas with some of the more awkward experiences, I think I jumped into it and hoped it would go well, which is not really a strategy. (laughs) I mean, I think it's a really admirable spirit. And I actually really want to like highlight and celebrate the fact that in our insane culture of perfection seeking and like dishing out judgment upon ourselves and each other, you gave yourself the space to explore and to let it be imperfect. Because I think so many people I talk to have this idea that like, I have my desire. And when I finally like go out and pursue it, then I'll be perfect and happy. And it's like, well, there's lots of messy in between. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. So there was a lot of experiments and Before I met my partner, you know, I ended up having a couple of kind of friends with benefits situations of, I had guys in different cities who were really like sweet guys, good people, you know, maybe there wasn't real relationship potential there for whatever reason, like partially the distance. And that really worked for me. I work a lot. I'm busy. They were super cute. They were super nice. It's fun to miss someone. 
and look forward to seeing them when they're far away. Yeah, exactly. And it didn't have to talk all the time because they lived somewhere else. And so that was kind of like a thing I I settled into and was really enjoying until I met my current partner. It's funny because I had a couple casual things going. And so I told him, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm not really looking for something casual. And I thought he would just kind of back off, like we'd be able to talk, we'd be able to flirt, but he wouldn't really try anything. And instead he's like, okay, cool. Like, let me come visit you. Let's talk more. Let's do this. Like, he's just like, he was really like committed and chasing. And I was like, oh, whoa, like, okay. If you're serious, like, let's see where this goes. Cool. Oh, that's amazing. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health. But if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out bluechew.com. Bluechew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I, too, love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, before we get into like those details and all the like, we also need to learn like where Afterglow came from in this timeline. But I actually want to jump back to your like younger years first. We heard that you grew up conservative. We heard that you had a boyfriend by the time you were 15. But like, tell us some of those details. Yeah, you know, I was very like wholesome Disney movie, like, oh, let's kiss and get married and live happily ever after. Like that was kind of what was in my mind when I was maybe like a little bit before I met my boyfriend, like 14, 15 was when I started to be like, oh, boys, like a little kind of teenage boy crazy. And I remember like being at Jewish summer camp and my friends like labeled me the boy crazy one. Like that was my nickname. Oh, (laughs) I had points of those. When did you learn what sex was? Was that in school or did you like know about it before the like biology lessons? It's really hard to pinpoint. I feel like it was from watching TV, you know, like oh my God, there's a sex scene. And then it like stops before anything happens. Like that was like my impression of what sex meant. Wow. Okay. So boy crazy at summer camp. And is that how you like found your boyfriend? Like how did that first one come to be? You know, he was sitting behind me in math class and like started chatting me up. And then we were together for 15 years. We got along great. Like we went to see Like our first date was like my big fat Greek wedding and we like made out in the movie theater. Like it was like we would make out in his car all the time. It was just like a very, it was a total high school romance that 
kept going and kept wow. being fun and we enjoyed each other's company and we loved each other and, you know, it worked. Okay. I want to hear about the slow but sure escalations in that relationship. First, I want to share my contrasting experience with meeting a boy in math class. I was sitting behind him and he turned around. He's like, it was an eighth grade class. And he said, holy shit, you're a seventh grader. And he became my like formative secret hookup buddy. Like I was the secret girl on the side. And so that for me, like you have like the wholesome relationship with the first boyfriend and mine is like very similar, but very different. And I'm still like untangling my love triangle things. And I just think that's really fun. (laughs) I feel like I could just as easily have been in that role. Like I don't think there's a rhyme or reason to it. Well, it sounds like perhaps the like I actually didn't realize that I had such a closed off feeling toward being in relationship because still to this point, sometimes I feel like I'm waiting for this like external signal to move forward. And I'm like, oh, it just comes from me. Like I'm, you know, or rather both <laughs> of us. So it sounds like yeah. you and your boyfriend or your first partner were able to kind of like sync up together in these ways. And it sounds like you eventually like had sex. What was the timeline like that? Like, was it years? Was it months? Was it like, how did you decide? And what was your sexual debut like for you to whatever degree you feel comfy sharing? So we waited about like seven months, which was forever when you're in high school. Like that's a super long time for like a relationship, you know, because I had so much of that you know, oh, sex is bad. Like when we were first getting together, I probably like had the idea of waiting to marriage, but I wasn't never as far as like a virginity pledge or like anything like that. It was just the message was like, you should wait. You should make sure you really love the person. It should be really serious. You know, all of those things, you should make sure you're ready. And so basically there was one night where I told my mom I was going to like a dance team sleep away thing. Like it was happening on that day and his parents were going to be out of town. So I was like, okay, like we can spend the night together. Like it can be really romantic. And it was like really sweet and beautiful. And like, it's a wonderful memory that I cherish. And there was a little bit of like, oh, that's it. You know, like, oh, this isn't such a big deal as like people make it out to be. Okay. So what led you to when you were 24 being like, I need a vibrator. I'm going to go have this awkward experience at a sex shop. Like what were the pieces that like got us there? You're like, I'm almost 10 years into this relationship and I need an orgasm. Did you know that you weren't orgasming? That took a while to figure out. Yeah. Cause how do you know? People talk about sex. Like it's this amazing thing. And what I'm experiencing is cool and fun, but it's not Like I just knew there was something that I was missing, but I didn't know what it was. And I don't remember any like key moment, but I remember having a conversation with my boyfriend, like trying to figure out how to say like, I'm not super enjoying this and I need something to change. Yeah. And that was really, really hard, especially with somebody like it's harder with somebody who you've been with for a long time. Exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. I think it was hard for him to hear it. I think it was hard for him too in that space. But that's kind of what led to going and trying the vibrator and trying different things and getting like a little bit more exploratory. So you were able to have that conversation, then go get the toy. And because you'd already had that conversation, you were able to just bring it into the bedroom without like, it sounds like that wasn't the crunchy part. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So then like, how do we get from like accountant to like, fuck it, I'm making porn. And like, does your family know? And like, what exactly do you do? Like, tell us about your sexy work. How are you making the world a sexier, more (laughs) loving place? And then bring us full circle to your current partnership. Okay. So after I was an accountant, I ended up 
kind of getting into the startup world. And I started a natural food brand, actually. Super successful. I got our product into Whole Foods, like nationwide. It was awesome. And like, we kind of really created like a product that wasn't in the store before. And I really saw it like grow in popularity and like kind of become a thing. And that experience showed me that I could create change in this world. That's so cool. Wait, can you tell us what it was? It's ghee butter. I don't (gasps) know if you've ever had it before. Of course I know what ghee is. Like, I think everyone can create change in this world, but like sometimes we just don't have an experience that really shows us like our own power that we have. Oh my God. Yes, yes. Yes. Everybody stop and just listen to that right now. You have so much potential to create change, the change that you want to see in this world. Lily has just told us. And I can really relate to that feeling of like, oh, I didn't know this was this thing until I felt it. But it doesn't mean that it's not. Or rather, it does mean everything is possible. Okay. That's really cool. So you have that visceral embodied experience of like, I can do a thing and it can spread. It can become like it it can spread. People can have it, you know, in their homes, in their living room, in their kitchens, all this stuff. And I love that this is leading to porn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, so then when I moved on from that, you know, I was like, okay, like, what's the next big thing that I'm super passionate about that I believe should be really big that I think I can really add my voice and my experience and like everything I'm good at, like, what can I put it into? And I wanted to love porn. Like I wanted great porn and I would go to Pornhub and, you know, it would turn me on, it would work, but it wasn't speaking to me. And I'm just like, you know, these TVs and, you know, like the Bridgerton and the movies, like I also love to read romance novels. Wait, just romance or like erotic romance novels? Erotic romance, like with sex. Okay. A hundred percent. I just learned that both exist. I thought they all had sex in them and I, I didn't realize. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't know why people read the ones without sex, <laughs> to be honest. I was like reading Bridgerton like before it was a TV show and, and all of that stuff. Cool. And I was like, well, like, why can't I get a porn of this? Like, I love TV. I love movies. Yes. I love these romance novels and getting turned on. Like, what's the disconnect here? That was kind of where it started was like simply like porn for women. Like, let's make something hot you know, that speaks to people like me and a female audience. And, you know, as I kind of dug deeper into why did I want to create this, you know, I was thinking about like how I had really wanted to use erotic videos as a tool for my own sex life. And like, you know, all the sexual exploration that I did and like, I had recently done this kind of like guided masturbation experience. (gasps) which was really powerful and really amazing. And I'm just like, I wanted to make something for my younger self, for myself, you know, at 18, 19, that would have helped me figure these things out faster. Yeah. And that was really like the genesis of Afterglow. Mm. Wow. Okay. So what were like the first steps? Also, what is your actual role? Like, are you in them? Do you do them? Yeah, I'm not in them. I'm the founder and CEO. I'm a terrible actor. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm just a bad actor. So I would be like the worst. <laughs> yeah. So I started the company and when I started it, I had no connections in porn. I didn't know any porn. I didn't know anybody in the adult industry. I didn't know how to make a movie. I didn't know how to make a website. 
But I knew I knew how to figure things out and I knew I knew how to learn things. Okay. I think that is very sexy. Like that's a sexy way to move through the world to be like, goal, going to put puzzle pieces together. That's hot. Thank you. So I spent like six months like just trying to talk to anybody that I could find that knew anything about porn and like trying to like make those connections. And I ended up talking to Rooster, who's like an ethical porn advocate. They were super helpful. They're like, here's all these resources. Here's all these links. Here's all these people you should talk to. And like that felt like kind of a big break in terms of like starting this company that kind of led to our first producer who was a performer and whose work I love and helped us make our first films. Then we did like an Indiegogo campaign and then we launched the site and I got into this whole like ethical porn world and like discovered all these cool producers. And I was like, Oh my God, like I wish I'd known that these people existed. Like I don't, I didn't even know you know, who Erica Lust was, who's like one of the most amazing, like feminist pornographer filmmakers right now. And, you know, that kind of started this whole journey. And I think our whole perspective at Afterglow has always been around, like, we just want to bring more awareness to all of these really amazing people that are out there wanting to make porn in a way that feels really good, really empowering, really pleasurable. Amazing. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor, and they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice, so I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people? This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities. All thanks to Floor. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Floor and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Fleur app celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Floor now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. Would you say that you identify as a sex worker or do you identify more as like part of the sex industry and like where do you think that line exists? I don't think I've had to go through a lot of the things that sex workers have to go through in order to call myself a sex worker. I definitely do consider myself a part of the sex industry. And, you know, as part of that industry, we have all the problems with like advertising and banking and financial regulations. But like, I haven't had to put like my personal self out there in the same way. 
that I think you do as a sex worker. Got it. Can you give us like a little snapshot of what the day in the life or maybe for you like week or month in the life is kind of like like? Like what do you actually deal with? What are you most excited about in your day to day? And what are the least sexy parts? So I got an email this morning that was like face fucking yes or no. <laughs> and we were like having a debate about, you know, a new a film that we're editing and there's like a face fucking scene and we're like, you know, do we want it? Do we not? Is it aggressive? You know, how does it like relate to our ethics? Like, you know, which is really fun. And then later in the day, we have like a way that we like pay our vendors and they email me and they're like, you're an adult platform. You can't use our service anymore after seven days. Screw you. Oh, damn. Yeah. It's also really fun how sometimes the really sexy, hot things can just become very banal and normal to you. Like now I can't, when I watch porn, it like doesn't turn me on because I'm just thinking about like, what tags are people looking for? Like, is this going to meet these criteria? Like, does it meet our ethical guidelines? Like it becomes work, but I also love to work. So I get it. It's just a different mode. When it puts me in producer or director brain, I'm sort of, it's a different kind of turn on. (laughs) Yeah. What are your favorite parts? And are you part of the like creative concept or are you more like talent selection? Like you're the vision holder for the company. So, you know, how are you making those decisions about your ethics and what you're calling in? You know, I have a lot of really awesome people who have like worked with me and advised me over the time. And I right now wear a lot of different hats. I do a lot of the different jobs. A lot of times I will who is experienced to help do a lot of the like film production stuff, like the directing, the camera holding. Like I'm not a, like I said, I had no idea how to make a film and I still don't, but I do know how to kind of like, now I know a lot more about how to talk about it and like what needs to happen to make it happen and to make it look good. But I really rely on the amazing people that I work with for a lot of the, like making the creative vision come to life type stuff both on the filmmaking side and on like the website tech side also. I'm really kind of like the maestro who's like conducting the the orchestra and like, you know, making it all happen and making it all come together. But it's really a lot messier than that. It's really totally. more like a band-aided thing together that's like constantly coming apart that you're like constantly adding more band-aids to to like try to get it to stay (laughs) i was having a vision of you as like a wild west like sexy cowgirl like trying to lasso tornadoes of creation that's what i yeah it's chaotic it's a lot yeah i like that that's way better than either of the things that i said (laughs) (laughs) my past is as a filmmaker producer photographer and so i production is always difficult. Anyone who wants to ever criticize a film, I'm like, go make your own movies and then come back and tell me what you think. I'm very much in like the startup, like business building. Like I did it with my natural food brand and we get to like hire people on salaries and kind of like build a team over time that we like enjoy working with. But filmmaking is much more like Burning Man where you're just like, okay, hopefully all these people are free right now. And we have to like chuck all this stuff out. And then we get there and we forgot half the stuff. And like, we still, I'm amazed. Like whenever I watch a movie, like that it ever happened. (laughs) I know. I feel the same way. What have you experienced that never would have happened if it weren't for Afterglow? One thing that has not even just happened once is that the male performer can't get hard. Mm. And it's funny because, you know, when I'm like at a party and I'm talking about what I do, people are like, 
oh, like, why don't you put me in the films? And like that, that's like a common joke that dudes make. And then I'm like, look, these guys are like professionals and like, it's so much pressure. It's so intense. Like having all these cameras on you, like I wouldn't want to be in that position. So I always like, whenever I get that comment from people, I just want to be like, you don't even understand. Like with all the different films we've made, it's just given me so much respect for the performers who are able to show up get completely naked, be comfortable, have sex with somebody they just met five minutes ago, look great doing it. It's amazing. It really yeah. blows my mind every single time. That's great. Okay. So how would you describe the filter that you use to make decisions about what you're creating and putting into the world through Afterglow? I really try to think about our customers. One thing I love doing is talking to our customers and hearing their stories. And they're all like so amazing and so sweet. And so I always just try to think about what's their mindset like? What do they want? Would they like this? Yeah. For people who maybe are new to the idea of ethical porn, how do you describe it when you're introducing someone to the concept? I describe it as people who care about the impact of what they're making on the world. Mm. There's different types of porn that I like to kind of break down. There's sexual abuse material, which is not porn. It's illegal. And that's like when there's sex trafficking or non-consent or anything like that. And like, that's illegal. It's not porn. Yeah. And then there's what I like to call douchebag porn, which is kind of like the mainstream tube sites. And they're kind of run just like any other company is run, like as a capitalist enterprise, trying to pay people as little as they can get away with, trying to make the most money as possible. You know, that's not any different because it's sex or because it's porn. It's the same as most industries are run. And, you know, a lot of people don't care that much. And then there's ethical porn where, you know, people are just trying to make the world a better place in the ways that they care about. And so that could be about, you know, paying performers well and making it a great experience for them. That could be about the type of stories that they tell. It can really be defined very differently by the individual who's trying to make it. Yeah. What would you say that you have noticed or learned about sex-related shame and pleasure, either because of your work or just your life experience? I've learned that it like goes really deep. Sex is really a core part of who we are, which we don't really integrate a lot in our like we we kind of have like our outward facing personas in society which have like nothing to do with sex and then sex is supposed to be this private thing that's like not talked about but it's like all related and it's all related yeah I think as I've kind of become more accepting of myself sexually it's just helped I would say in all areas of my life Sometimes when I'm talking about afterglow, say like sexual health and like sexual wellness, it's like the next wave of like mental health. Like we finally got over that shame of like talking about mental health. And like, I think sex is kind of like the next big wave that we need to start talking about. Oh, I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. How would you say your sex related work has informed or influenced your personal sex life? Yeah, it's made me more open to experimentation. It's made me more accepting. It's made me now like people could tell me what whatever crazy kink they had. And I would just kind of be like, yeah, cool, man. Do what yeah. you love. Like, <laughs> no, no worries. Like, 
<laughs> I'm like, if it's legal and consensual, I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, it's just made me more open, more empathetic, I would say, to everybody and kind of like their different journey, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. But in your own personal life, like, have you ever like gotten an inspiration from something you've encountered? And or like, what was it like dating? It's You said that you had already... Like, give us the timeline on Afterglow. How old is it? And it sounds like it was already established when you were single and dating. Yeah. So Afterglow is about three years old. I started it probably about four years after my divorce. It really helped as a filter for dating because, you know, based on the reactions I would get from guys about it, it would tell me a lot about them and whether or not. I was interested in them or not. So, you know, I was definitely, when I was single, I was like, am I ever going to find somebody who like loves me and my weird porn company and like gets what I'm trying to do, like doesn't kind of like judge because, you know, as my story is probably told, like I'm a pretty vanilla person. (laughs) So I I feel like people would perceive me a lot as, you know, some crazy sex monster or something. I don't even know what I was worried about. My partner now has a cannabis business. So that's that's kind of like how we got introduced. And like, (laughs) yeah, the first time we met, he was like asking me like all about like, well, how do you acquire your customers? And like, what's your marketing? And like all of this kind of like, he, he was asking me all about like the business and like not really about the porn. And I was like, I love this guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. It is funny how cannabis and sex are lumped together just because they're like adult, you know, kind of like on the edge of society industries because I get sometimes reach outs from cannabis people that are like collab and I'm like I mean sure but like that's not part of my brand but like I do like okay you know totally anecdotal but like I think sex people love weed and weed people love sex like I think there's (laughs) definitely like some synergies that happen between those two things (laughs) (laughs) that's actually that is a fair anecdotal I'm all about anecdotal research and I think that that is an observation in many cases a lot of people who are now really like sex positive and in the sex industry i think do come from like more reserved conservative repressive backgrounds like that's another totally anecdotal thing that you know has held true for me and and i've heard a lot in a lot of people's stories it's that liberation i mean we're the frontier people right like and, and the people who started out more liberated I've noticed interviewing people, a lot of them are just like chilling in their life because they don't have to like climb this mountain. Whereas like I have a history getting rejected, even though I'm very sexy and I'm like trying to figure out sex my whole life long. So it's like, okay, we're giving our lessons. Yeah. Do you have to think very much about like work life versus personal life boundaries or like because you're monogamous and not that kinky? Like it sounds like you're kind of like on lock, but you have to think about that or talk about kind of like boundaries in the workplace sex wise? I think... It definitely does come up. For example, being on this podcast and wondering, you know, having to talk to my partner about, you know, what are you comfortable with me sharing about our sex life versus not because I want to be respectful there. It comes up now and then in funny ways in our work Slack group, you know, not wanting to push people to go beyond their boundaries of like disclosing things. Some people are like, oh, is it okay? Like I went to a sex party yesterday and I met this person and maybe they would be a good connection for Afterglow and like, they're really hot, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's funny, you know, it's like, okay, like there's a performer that I really like. Can I email them and be like, oh, you're so hot. I love your videos. Like what's like an appropriate way to, you know, be a fan and engage with them. You know, it's not like 
going out partying and, you know, sleeping with porn stars, but it comes up in kind of these more, more small, like funny settings. Yeah, totally. Totally. I can really relate to all of that, especially now that I have friends in porn and I'm like, wait, am I allowed to watch your stuff? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, am I allowed to like it to your face? And they're like, "Uh uh-huh. And you know, so (laughs) back to your own personal life or your own physical being to the degree that you are comfy. What are your biggest turn-ons and turn-offs? What gets you going? And then what stops? What are your breaks? (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think touch and music Mm -hmm. and like dancing, body movement, like that's always what like gets me out of my head and into my body like is dance. And I love that. That's a total turn-on. Do you do that with and for your partner? Mm -hmm. Ooh, We like make playlists for each other and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'd say like my number one, like it's not even a turn off. It's just what shuts me down and it's just stress. Yes, totally. And I just want to, I'm such a advocate of sleep. I want to say that most people are more stressed when they're not sleeping a lot. And we live in a culture that's like, I got by on four hours of sleep, you know? So I'm always like, aim for nine. Yeah. Maybe you'll get seven. (laughs) You wake up like it's related. Yeah. You wake up, you're not stressed. You're able to just like the biggest turn on is like not having a schedule and like not having oh. any deadlines. Yes. That's all I need. Yeah. And then a partner to like touch me. What are your favorite forms of touch to receive? And it doesn't necessarily have to be genital, but also that. I love all kinds of touch. Like I'm a, to- I'm a cuddle bug. Like I love yeah. cuddling. I love touching. I love kissing. Like, oh, a good kiss. Like, ooh. so great what about your cunnilingus anxiety what is that and how does it show up for you and how are you welcoming a shift (laughs) yeah I think that's what contributed to like kind of my lack of orgasm even as a teenager is just that like not feeling like I deserved pleasure I think like a lot of our you know like tv shows and stuff like sex is more for the guy in a way, I think that was like when I grew up a lot of the narratives. And so I didn't know what I should be feeling or receiving or anything. And I think that's still why I like to be a little bit more of like the one in control and the one like kind of creating the flow to a certain extent. I love that. And I love that you are now like making porn that carries that energy. What are your future hopes, goals and dreams for your sex life? My number one hope is to have even better sex than I've had before, like to hit new highs. Like that would be amazing. Yeah. And just to not be complacent. Mm, Okay. So like still just exploring. Exactly. Maintaining the playfulness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Through your work, have you noticed any sex related norms that you like really would just love to shift? I still cannot believe how many people do not use lube. Fair observation. Or like think that using lube means something is wrong with them. Yeah. I actually yeah. own usemorelube.com. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you get into this industry and you're like threesomes and this and that. And I'm like, okay, like, let's just get everybody on lube. Yeah. Damn. Yes. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Especially if anyone wants to touch my butt. I mean, 
Yeah. And someone just going for the yeah. other day. I was like, yeah. whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa. <laughs> and he's like, you don't like butt stuff? And I was like, not. I, I was like, I'm very serious about butt stuff. And we don't just put fingers there without talking about it. And certainly not without lube. <laughs> because I like it. That is why yes. I'm yeah. stopping you right here. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also like, and the way to bring this up is not like in the bedroom, in the moment, in the dark, sir, who wanted to turn the lights off. I was surprised by that. I, wa- I was thinking about your awkward experiences. I was like, have you had moments where people, you're like on a date with them and then, you know, you go to the next step where you're alone and private together and suddenly it's like a completely different person. And I'm like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, totally. What are you the most excited to explore in your work going forward? Like what's coming up for Afterglow? What do you feel lit up by? I want to make more films. Like I have so many ideas that I feel like aren't covered. I just want to keep making stuff and I want people to see it. And like, it's pretty simple, but that is what makes me really happy. Oh, fuck yeah. If you could wave a magic wand and teach everyone in the whole wide world something about sex, what would it be? Obviously we covered lube. That it's okay to talk about it. Taught to talk about it. It's hot to talk about it and that their pleasure matters, that it matters if it feels good, that like it should feel good. And if it doesn't, you can stop. And if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex related advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? I I mean, I'd probably just like give myself a vibrator as a teenager and be like, (laughs) spend some time, masturbate, explore your body. Like, I just wish I'd known about my body more at a younger age yeah I relate to that oh also what is the shape of your Lilo which one do you have it's like round it's like a small round kind of eggish shaped one yeah it's great that's awesome okay lastly a fantasy brainstorm if you had an unlimited budget to build a sexy playroom or house or a production studio etc for yourself or for Afterglow, what would it be like? Ooh, I would love to build like an office slash production studio for Afterglow that's just pink, but not annoyingly pink and like bright and like fluorescent and like very daytime iridescent stuff and have different rooms that we could do all sorts of different filming in like There'd be like the blue and pink disco room. There'd be like the iridescent shimmery daytime room. There'd be like a fuzzy room. You know, there'd be just like all of these different things. Fuck yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about sex in general or anything you want to tell us about Afterglow? We have such amazing films on Afterglow. I wanted to talk about one of my favorites and it's actually like the first one we made. It's called Lip Service. And there's actually no penetration in it. It's all cunnilingus. And it's this woman who's like really vocal and like telling her partner what she wants as he's going down on her. And there's also a little bit of like a voyeuristic aspect to it. In conjunction with that, we actually have a guided audio exercise that you do with your partner around cunnilingus. So like this has really helped me with like my cunnilingus anxiety because it's like, It even helps you just create a shared language with your partner Mm -hmm. about, you know, what does circles mean to them or like their previous partner? Like it could be such different things. Like, you know, those two things have been life changing for me and would love for people to check them out. I love that. And lovers, you can find Afterglow on the Internet at Twitter at XO Afterglow 
on Instagram at XO Afterglow with two W's. <laughs> I feel like that's probably because of a takedown. And also, of take course, down. yeah, take down. <laughs> sex stories just got taken down. I'm like, fuck, I don't got to do something. Okay. And definitely visit the website xoafterglow.com. Everybody who's listening, you can get a seven day free trial to Afterglow if you go to xoafterglow.com and you sign up with the code LOVER, L O V E R. Awesome. Thank you, Lily Sparks, for being a guest on Sex Stories. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. You made me reveal more than I intended to, but I think that's a good thing. 